pace of technology. We want to bring that innovation in real estate. There's a lot of synergies, actually, because we, we partnered with Amazon. It's the first Amazon Alexa building. We're selling units on online with Shopify. No other developer is doing that. And, you know, there's uh, we're bringing in gigabit Ethernet in our buildings. And I think technology is becoming, becoming more and more pervasive, especially for the younger generation. You're listening to Making It with John Davids. We are live with Harish Kansal. How are you doing? I'm doing great, John. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to see you. I was looking over your website this morning and your company, and I just have so many questions. Why don't you just give us like a quick elevator pitch of who you are and what's your backstory? Sure. Uh, happy to. So I uh, uh, started in, in Cal- grew up in Calgary. I lived in Vancouver almost 25 years. So we're in venture capital business. That's probably 60% of our business now. And the other 40% is real estate, a very active real estate developer in Western Canada, built all kinds of projects from multifamily to commercial to shopping centers, mixed use luxury towers. And uh, on the VC side, uh, it's kind of a unique combination. We're very active in the VC space and in uh, technology, healthcare, uh, green energy, and longevity. Sort of those those buckets, <laughs> and and which which came first, the the real estate or the VC? The real estate came first, yeah. So I uh, grew up in real estate, loved real estate. I'm an engineer. I went to MBA school, UBC, and I got into real estate development in my uh, early twenties. You bet. And what was kind of that first big project or or big breakthrough for you? Uh, it was probably it was in Vancouver. So we did a number of multifamily projects that uh, I was working for somebody else, another major developer in Vancouver. And uh, left to start on my own, took the plunge, uh, no paycheck. And of course, it's always high risk, but wanted to always be on my own, always been an entrepreneur, you know, took the risk. And so we did a multifamily project and it did very well and sort of, you know, never looked back, grew from there. John, yeah. Did you come from an entrepreneurial family or was this in your blood or was it kind of like you decided um, in your 20s? Yeah, I wouldn't say it was entrepreneur family. Our, our dad was a, a math professor, University of Calgary, uh, for very successful uh, for over 30 years. So I always had a strong math and uh, finance background. Um, no, I was always interested as, as a teenager, really, in, in entrepreneurism and business. And I went into engineering, but I was far more interested in the business side of it. And ever since I was kind of a late teens, early 20s, I knew 100% I wanted to be on my own. I bought my first house at 15, started investing, you know, uh, very How early. do you buy a house at 15? <laughs> <laughs> so I bought one, uh, I bought two houses. I, I, I did all my research at 14, 15. I found a house in Northeast Calgary at the time. My dad co-signed, helped me, of course. And he liked it so much, he bought one beside me. So we bought two and I managed it and grew it from there. And uh, yeah, I just started investing really early. That's nuts. Wait a second. So you bought a house at 15, not to live in, but this was an investment property. It was a rental property. You got it. Yeah. All my friends were buying cars. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to buy a car, devaluing asset. I want to buy real estate. And it just grew from there. I started investing really early and uh, yeah, yeah, loved it. So that's pretty unreal. I mean, I've talked to a lot of successful people. No no one has, I bought a (laughs) rental property at 15. This is a first. Uh, Uh, And I just have to ask though, was that like, was that a fluke? Was it a book you read? Was it a, someone you saw doing that? 
Um, it was not somebody that's not doing, I, you know, I've always been a huge believer in personal growth and development ever since I was young, you know, the Tony Robbins, and Brian Tracy. So I've always wanted to keep going ahead. I read about Warren Buffett really early and learning about investing early, like in, in, in my, when I was 10, 11, 12, reading all these books. And I just, you know, real estate is such a great asset class. And my, our, our family has been in real estate. So our, our dad, I grew up helping dad uh, with the apartments. He had a number of, you know, there's no money in teaching. So he actually started investing in real estate early uh, to their credit. And in the 70s and 80s, so I used to go with my dad after school, help clean apartments and fix up things. So I learned about real estate. And then I just wanted to, you know, invest on my own early and uh, uh, take some risks. Uh, but I, and I knew it was a great investment. So I just, I put 10 grand down and dad helped with the rest and off we go. <laughs> Unbelievable. And 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 uh, and you're on your way. And yep. so these days, are you more of a developer or are you buying cash producing properties? Yeah, we're a developer now. We're a very active developer. So we own our existing income portfolio that we build and develop and lease and property manage. So we do the full cycle, but we've got a probably close to a thousand units under development planning in different stages, as well as a number of shopping centers uh, in Western Canada. And so the income property, like I'm on your site right now, the income uh, portfolio is mostly or all properties that you've built yourself. Correct. That's exactly right. Yeah. It's all uh, Western Canada shopping centers, residential, multifamily, apartment buildings. Correct. You bet. Can you give us a sense of... You, you said a, th- a thousand units under development. Do you, know, do you know how many units are already developed? Uh, we've got a wide range. We're, we're private, so we don't you know disclose our actual assets, but we've got... Yeah, several thousand units in Western Canada, shopping centers. Yeah. So let me ask you this about, because I've talked to people who are developers and people who are are buying cash flowing properties. And the ones who are acquiring properties, I've heard sort of unanimously, the world of development is quite different. And it's, it's a lot more risk because when you develop a property... A, it's a pretty long cycle. It's a few years, could be many years, depending on Very the type of property. Cycle. It's, yeah. you know, the things can change, market change, environments, interest rates. You bet. What are kind of the biggest risks, or if you actually want to share some war stories, the worst things that have happened to you in the development process? Yeah, that's a great question, John. So, so there's far more risk in the development cycle. And you're absolutely right. We have a project, give an example, in Calgary called Sola in Kensington, really trendy area, a block from the river, northwest Calgary. And it's we tied up that site to give you an idea in 2014. So you know, almost eight years ago now, and we've just got approvals. We're starting construction this spring. So you know, it took us six years to get you know land use rezoning, public engagement, community support, development permit approvals. I mean, it's a painful process. And and of course, you're carrying the site through all this period and paying interest costs, and then we start pre-sales. Pre-sales is two-year process. You know, it's it's 172 units, luxury condo tower with our partner Amazon. And happy to talk about that later. And, and then you've got to build it. You know, you got to execute and build it, which takes another two, two and a half years. So by the time we actually get any cash, so we don't make a penny until we actually close and the buyers are our customer of the unit. So by the time we started and complete, it's going to be eight to 10 years. So and and so you've got to have a lot of patience. You've got to have a lot of focus and dedication to your team. And you know, people you ask yourself why all the time. And why don't you just go buy an apartment building and get cash flow day one, right? So there's there's a number of reasons. I mean, you know, you've got to be confident of the cycle and obviously the execution. And you know, you can do very well on development, of course, um, but you've got to have that patience uh, to do that. And 
you know, buying an existing apartment building. I, I started out doing that. I've bought a number of rental income properties and you can still do well at both, but development is definitely higher risk. It's much more work and you've got to have all sides of the development cycle, but you can do also a lot better as well. Right. So I, I was going to say, I imagine the upside is actually like substantially better. It would have to be to have that payoff. Otherwise, as you said, you would just go buy something that's already built. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, no, no, it is, John. And, and so most people don't have you know expertise or the time or the patience to do that. But if you can, yeah, you make significantly higher returns of the development. And even after we're complete, we're still going to own some of the units. We, we buy into every project we build. We own all the commercial podium that the tower sits on top. So Acro is going to own a lot of the commercial in each project, but you, you, we sell those condos to end buyers. And so, you know, we really believe in our projects, right? And Calgary is at a very unique cycle right now in the next five years in terms of, you know, where it's positioned in the country. So yeah, it's pretty exciting. We're super positive on, on our projects coming up. And and so would you, I'm curious to ask about, about Calgary in particular, but what would you say, you say it's, it's positive and it's a good outlook. What is it about Calgary or really any market that makes it a good market to, to build in? Sure, sure. So there's a, there's a number of things. Um, I mean, let me talk on a high level, I guess. So what's a good market? Obviously, population growth, influx, uh, job creation, um, lower tax base, those, those kinds of things are all really, really important. Um, Calgary specifically right now. So as you know, you know, we've had a really rough run here the last 10 years with the oil price. And it's been, you know, very depressed, frankly. And whereas Toronto, Vancouver has gone, have gone nowhere but up on a steady rise. So that is all changing dramatically. Um, oil has gone from, you know, 25, 30 bucks to, you know, close to a hundred here now. Um, the biggest change in Calgary is really the tech diversification. You know, I would say, and I get asked this a lot. So I would say 30 years ago, Alberta's was 90% oil and gas. Today, it's less than 50. And people don't realize this. I mean, the, the, the amount of tech companies and exploding and diversification in Calgary is massive. So, you know, we've got logistics centers and robotics and some of the biggest IT companies in the world setting up in Calgary. And you ask yourself why. I mean, it's extremely affordable. Uh, so we're less than half of Toronto, almost a third of Vancouver right now. And the quality of life is incredible. Calgary's rated the number one city in North America, fifth in the world. Uh, the lowest tax base in North America is tied with Texas, Alberta. There's no rent controls. So, I mean, I can go on and on. There's a lot of reasons why Calgary is really poised for a lot of growth. And it's, you know, it's very diversified now. So it's not just oil and gas. You know, it's clean tech. It's, it's, it's robotics. It's the tech space. And there's a lot of you know, affordability in Calgary. So you can, but you can get the salaries are almost the same. A software developer in Calgary makes almost the same as Vancouver, Toronto. And yet, you know, the cost of living is less than half. So it really makes a big difference for young families. And people are starting to wake up to that and realize that. So, you know, our latest project, over half our buyers are Ontario, BC investors. Yeah. And they're, they're really starting to see that now. I was going to say, that doesn't surprise me at all because, you know, being yeah. someone, I mean, I own property in Toronto and I've got family and friends right. that own property in Calgary. And it's just, it's unbelievable what the difference is, you know, how to really buy or, or, you know, a shopping center or what have you. And then the yeah. other thing you said is, you know, if you look at, at uh, if you're in Canada, uh, especially in Ontario, it's really unaffordable. And when you look at some of the markets in the US, it's amazing. You know, if you're going to buy an investment property anywhere really in middle America, it cash flows. It makes sense on day one. You can't do that in, you know, in Toronto, but I'd imagine in Calgary, you can do it. 
you, you can do it day one. You can do day one. And rents are rising dramatically here. There's no rent controls. And, you know, we've got properties in BC that you can raise them 2% a year. No, it's ridiculous, right? Tenants never leave because they have no incentive to ever leave. And the only way they will leave if you move back in. <laughs> so in Alberta, there's no rent controls. And you're seeing a massive influx of population now back to Calgary. And, uh, you know, the housing growth is strong. There's, there's not enough units for the people that are moving here now. And as you know, Canada set some pretty ambitious immigration targets. We need immigrants. And, the, you know, Canada needs a population. The bulk of those will be looking at Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, or Calgary. And Calgary is the most affordable. So, yeah, it's really undervalued, we believe, here. And so we think the next three to five years will be a huge runway ahead for Calgary. And then on the flip side, so you spend, I, I'm guessing your day job is doing exactly <laughs> what you're doing. You're, you're developing, but then somehow you find time to invest in, and run a VC. So what, what's your time split? I mean, how much do you spend on each? Yeah, that's a great question. So we, I, I do about 60-40. So 60% uh, venture capital. And, and I got into that in, in the 90s when I was in Vancouver. I started a tech company and I was always interested in tech. So just uh, took it public. We sold it. And then launched our private fund and just, just grew it from there. We invested early in Amazon and Shopify and a number of other companies. So I spend uh, just over half my time on the VC side. You know, we've got a great team that's growing in terms of portfolio analysts. And uh, uh, yeah, no, it's very exciting. And, and, you know, the pace of technology, we want to bring that innovation in real estate. There's a lot of synergies, actually, because we, we partnered with Amazon. It's the first Amazon Alexa building. We're selling units on online with Shopify. No other developer is doing that. And you know, there's a, we're bringing a gigabit Ethernet in our buildings. And I think technology is becoming becoming more and more pervasive, especially for the younger generation. Right? It's very important. So we see you, a lot. You're of, selling you're selling apartments on Shopify. Correct. If you go to Sola Calgary, you can actually buy a unit, like a pair of shoes, and put in your shopping cart. And our, our back end is Shopify. You bet. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And we've had a lot of people buy units, pay their deposit with a credit card and buy units online. You can go in. It's real time. You can select your finishes, a parking stall, John, a storage locker, your colors, and put it in your shopping cart. Yep. That's unreal. I've never... Is this is this happening anywhere else? I just it's the first one in Canada that we, that we did. Uh, I think you'll see more and more, but we're going to do that with all of Ocro's projects. Unreal. Wow. And and what does that mean? I imagine you know the impacts must be profound. But what does that mean to the kind of the market of realtors and the whole process, yeah. the ecosystem by which this sure. is normally done? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it's it's going to continue to evolve and change. As you know, I mean, technology is is so fabulous in terms of its innovation in all of these industries. So I think I think realtors is a very important part of the industry. We cooperate with all realtors. We pay full commissions, but a lot of people don't want to go through a realtor and they want to buy online, as you know, right? And a lot of people are comfortable doing that. And so it just, it's a comfort level with the technology. If you, if you have all the information and you have video tours and walkthroughs and you give them everything they need and be transparent, I think I, I've said this very early, I believe we'll get buyers online and, and, and we have, you know, we had a buyer in LA, he, worked, he was in Canada, he moved to Google worked for LA and he bought three units online. He's familiar with Calgary and he loves, uh, you know, and so there's no reason for him to fly up and she see a show suite. And, but this you is know, mostly investors you're talking. I'd imagine the person that's buying online is an investor, not, not an end buyer. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Most of them are investors. Correct. So they know yeah. the market. They're comfortable with us, the project. They know the demographics and they want to invest. Absolutely. That's so cool. And I, and, and I think you'll see more and more of that. 
Yeah. And and for you, I'd imagine. I mean, this is almost like in, in sort of a, a bit of a, a different way. It's, it's almost like crowdfunding because you've got to sell a certain number of units by a certain time, obviously, to you know from a financial standpoint. And you can do that much quicker. I mean, you're basically like just auctioning them off online. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. We're not auctioning, but we have a set sales price. Right, but you're right. right. Yeah, we're we're selling them online, and we hit our pre-sales target earlier. And uh, and I'm I'm surprised more more developers aren't doing it. But uh, we we want to continue innovating and. You're bringing in that tech to our projects for sure. So. That's so cool. Uh, I, I wanted to go to the VC talk, but I'm now sure. even more intrigued by this because this is like <laughs> this is awesome. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll come back to this in a minute. I want to talk uh, prop tech, but just just to go to the VC side. So it sounds sure. to me, and I didn't realize this before we started talking, but you're like you're a serious VC because I thought you were just a rich real estate guy who was putting money <laughs> into this company, that company. You're you're like seriously, you're doing a lot of research. It sounds like you have a, a, a team behind you also. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I hope so. I'm, uh, I'm not sure how serious, but yeah, no, we're very active, uh, focused on, on on VC and a number of different technology sectors. And uh, uh, we've been fortunate to get involved early in some of these companies. We take an advisory role. I, I just joined the advisory board of a company in Toronto called Emerge and yeah. uh, very active in a number of other tech companies. You bet. I've, I've got Gaston on in a few weeks. I'm going to ask. Oh, him great. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. So, how how early were you in Shopify? So we were in uh, early in 2015, uh, fairly early. And um, this is pre uh, pre IPO, pre IPO, yes. Um, wow. So and we were in, in uh, pre IPO, and we were involved. And and you know it, it, it's taken a pretty big hit here the last few months here, but you know that's the inflation story, et cetera. But we're we're very long term investors, and we think it's early days and. Uh, you know, if you just look at their their revenue growth and e-commerce and the omni-channel strategy and what they're doing, um, I think it's a tremendous company. And and how did you get in pre-IPO? Was it was that a secondary offering, or were you actually you, you were an right. investor, uh, like a primary investor? Yeah, it was secondary. Right. Secondary. Okay, cool. Yeah. But and then, but and then we, must... we we'd accumulated more after the IPO as well. Yeah. That must have taken some serious conviction because you were you must have been watching it. I mean, it wasn't public data, so you must have been watching it somehow on your own, not not in the public eye. We, we yeah we we we've got a lot of relationships fortunately with other VCs so Bessemer Ventures was with an early VC you know some of the guys there and you know it's all relationships right as you of know course. yeah yeah so I was talking to somebody uh, who was also an early investor a pre IPO investor in Shopify and so if I'm if I'm okay. triangulating the math on this you probably got in well under a billion valuation so anyway you slice it, it, it this did very well. Yeah, no, it's done well for us, for sure. It's our, one of our core holdings. <laughs> amazing, amazing. And and Amazon, I'm guessing Amazon was was later on, but that wasn't pre-IPO. That must have been later. No, it was not pre-IPO. It was actually earlier. So we got involved in Amazon in the late 90s. So I was in Vancouver and I was involved in a company called Jungly Technologies. I sat on the board of that. So when you go to Amazon and you search for something, uh, personalization software comes out. You might like this, 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 or this, John. Other items. That was our company. So I was involved in that company. Amazon bought that company in the late '90s, and so we got a position in, in Amazon. And um, you know, some of the founders sold, some didn't, and we accumulated after that. They, they went public in '96, so we were accumulating. And if you remember the internet run up and up to the year 2000, and then the big crash. So. Um, you know, we're, we're long term, we held on and, uh, you know, it, I think it ran up to almost 380 and it dropped to $6 in the crash. And of course now it's, you know, 3000. So, you know, so you, gotta, you, you gotta be patient. Do you have shares in Amazon that you've held for the last 20 plus years? We have, we do. Yeah. We've wow. held them since the, since the late nineties. 
You Good for you. And a lot of people say you're crazy, right? What are you doing? What are you doing? But you just, you know, you, you, I, I've always taken a long term, hang on to them. And, and I, I still think it's early days. You know, their Amazon web services is half their profit. And most people haven't even heard of AWS, right? So it's a, it's a, the cloud division, right? It's a massive run rate. And, uh, you know, as Jeff, as Jeff Bezos always says, it's always day one, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I'm, I'm not sure if you saw the article that came out uh, yesterday or today. Uh, Dan, forgetting his name, but. So, yep. Sorry, I did see that. Great yeah, on. so I mean, by what, what, what's his name again? Who said this? Dan um, something. We'll, we'll get his name. But the the basic yeah. the basic uh, thesis is: if you think if if the Amazon uh, e commerce business is a trillion or one and a half trillion, and AWS on its own is one or one and a half trillion, it's about a trillion shy of where it should be. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. I mean, I think I think in the next few years, it's an easy double, frankly, where it is now, and. Uh, you know, the, the, the margins are strong. It's accelerating, growing at 30, 35% a year. AWS is growing at 45% a year at that size, which is incredible. So. Daniel Loeb. Oh, Daniel Loeb, sure. Yeah, yep. the hedge fund. Yeah. It, it, so so it's, it's such a cool story. So <laughs> let's talk about this recent investment. This is where I actually, I saw some, some news about you um, uh, getting involved in Emerge Commerce. So what do you see? So this is a, a current company. It's a, essentially a roll-up of e-commerce brands. Um, what What's your take on this and what, what makes this company exciting to you? Sure. No, that's a great uh, question, John. So Emerge is, is very early days and... You know, I actually believe they went public too early. Um, so they went public about a year, year and a half ago. Uh, but but you're exactly right there. It's an acquisition roll-up of e-commerce companies. The thing I like about Emerge is they're looking at not only a creative acquisitions, but profitable acquisitions. So in this day and age, you know, you can everyone's talking about growth, 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 and we'll make a profit five years out or we'll break even. But they're looking at profitable companies today to add into their uh, portfolio. So they're in a number of verticals now, uh, golf and food, and they're looking at others and health and beauty. So, you know, we think it's it's Gassan and his, his team are a fabulous management team. They're really focused. And we think, um, you know, the, the company has been undervalued, frankly, in terms of where they'll go. And, you know, investors want to see results. It's always that way, right? They want to see performance quarter after quarter. So I've, I've said to Gassan, you know, stay focused. And just keep delivering, keep acquiring accretive deals. And as long as you do that, the cash flow and the revenues will continue to grow. So we've, we've taken a large position in the company. I joined the advisory board, uh, fortunate to be requested. And I think it's um, I think you'll hear a lot about Emerge in the next five, five, 10 years. So again, yeah. we're long-term holders. And you know, when a company goes public early, as you know, in Canada, you get a lot of different types of investors and shorter term, perhaps outlook. It was a CPC deal. And I think it's important to bring in larger world-class investors and funds as the company grows and get more presence globally. And I think that's exactly what they'll do. They, they, they will. And full disclosure, uh, I'm also a shareholder and we don't give investment great. advice on the podcast, but, uh, but yep. it, it seems to me like a great... So first of all, a proven management team. You've got people that have done e-commerce for years. They're right. Per, their uh, acquisition strategy seems, I mean, nothing is totally bulletproof, but they're buying companies that have great track records, long track records, and are cash flowing. And it's what I love about it. And, and this is, you know, one of the reasons that um, 
Gassan is, is such a great CEO of the company is that the yeah. whole mantra of we're buying cash flowing companies that are also high growth, which goes totally against the Silicon Valley mantra of you know you've got to lose money to be growing. And what do you think has changed in the in the mindset that a company like like this actually exists today? Whereas ten years ago it would have been crazy. Yeah, I, I think I think investors' expectations have changed. So it's all about you know managing expectations and people don't want to wait exactly like you said 10 years out to see a return so and and you don't need to now i mean e-commerce is not new now it's been around 10 15 20 years now so there's enough companies and enough verticals john that are profitable that have reached that break even so why not target and acquire these companies that are still growing and profitable. I think you can do both very successfully. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of companies that aren't profitable, but we don't need to be targeting those, right? I mean, they're, they're, they're profitable, they're scaling, and they're growing rapidly. So let's look at that bucket. And there's enough aggregators. And I think Emerge will be the, the, the leading aggregator in Canada for those companies. Sure. Constellation Software has, has yes. proven that the model works and it's one exactly. everyone looks to. Yep, you bet. Similar model, similar focus. You bet. Yeah. Absolutely, and and I heard a stat actually, um, just you know speaking, and I'm sure e-commerce is very similar, but in the world of of um, of uh, of software, you know, Constellation Software is, uh, I think they've done like 500 acquisitions, and if you look at the pipeline of companies that fit the mold, I've talked to other private equity firms that are in similar buckets. You know, they say there's probably about 40 to 50 thousand software companies that that fit the mold, and Constellation, the biggest player, has purchased 500. So massive, massive market, and I'm sure there are similar uh, dynamics in e-commerce. Shopify has created so many players that Emerge could acquire, and they're probably Probably only acquiring the cream of the crop. They're they're massive ecosystem, and not only in Canada globally. And you know, seven eight companies IPO'd in the last couple of years that are based on Shopify, as you know. And so you're, you're absolutely right. There, there's thousands of companies in e-commerce, from you know, from the pets to health and beauty to skincare to retail. You can you can just go to every single vertical, and it's early days, right? So. Again, I, I think we have to be disciplined and keep acquiring profitable companies that are scaling rapidly. And I think it's a proven formula and we're, we're going to do it. Yeah, we're excited. <laughs> Let's look at some of the other companies on your website here. I'm looking at some of the logos. So obviously, some we all know, Amazon, Shopify. Coupang is one that I've heard. I'm not as familiar with them. What, what's the story there? So Coupang is a really amazing company. So it's a company based in Korea. So Coupang is sort of the, um, you know, the Amazon, if you will, of Southeast Asia. So if you look at Korea, a lot of people don't know, Korea is the most densely populated country in Asia. So if you look at Seoul, uh, they are actually taking what Amazon's doing in North America to a next level. It's amazing. So Bum uh, Kim was a Harvard grad, came back to Silicon Valley, learned everything from Amazon and started this company and moved back home to Korea. And so what they're doing, you know, Amazon, you're, we're so used to two-day or same-day shipping. They've got two-hour shipping, John. It, it, it's mind-boggling. So you can actually order, let's say you've got a kid's birthday party. You can order a cake at four and have it at your doorstep at six. If you want to return something, there's no boxes, no bags. You literally put it outside your, your door and they pick it up just like it is. And, and they scan it and you get a refund. So uh, in Korea, you know, it's very densely populated uh, and, and so they're in every single apartment building uh, in five times a day. And it's just mind boggling where they've taken it. So you'll hear a lot more about Coupang as they you know, broaden the market into Japan and other countries. But it's an e-commerce company and they've captured that market. 
And Can they make scaling. money doing that? I mean, two hour, <laughs> this is the sort of thing, and I'm sure there's a way they're doing it where they do yeah, make money, but amazing. I feel like the unit economics of this almost never makes sense. Yeah, well, well, it's it's the frequency, right? When you're in every single apartment block five, six times a day, you're you're the only player that everybody uses. So, you know, imagine imagine buying, uh, you know, any groceries. I mean, they're in groceries, right? You can buy some bananas or something. It's at your doorstep. If you don't like something, put it outside. There's no nothing to do because there's a scan and they scan everything. So, you know, you don't have to go drop it off somewhere. You don't even package it. So it's pretty amazing what they've done. And, and they're scaling rapidly. It's a public company now. The bank's public. So uh, they went public last year. And uh, does that model, model do you think work? And I mean, obviously it'll work in Japan and in highly dense uh, places. It, Maybe in it, New York it'll work. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to work. You're absolutely right. In in where you don't have that dense population because, just like you said, then the logistics and the trucking and the transportation costs, you know, uh, skyrocket. So when you're when you're within a you know five or ten kilometer radius and everybody is there, it works. So what do you look at? So first off, uh, do, are, are you investing, are you actively investing in seed stage at all? Or is it companies that, that, that have sort of passed that series A, series B? Uh, we're in, uh, typically we're series A onwards. So we do some seed rounds very selectively. We just invested in a seed round in Silicon Valley called Fizz. and happy to sh- talk about that. It's a social uh, company, but typically it's series A and B. Um, and uh so, you know, we invested in a company called Biome, for example, recently Heliogen uh, is a green hydrogen company that just uh, did a SPAC and just went public. Uh, and that was a Series B round. So just, you know, it, it varies. Often we get asked earlier and, you know, we start monitoring the company, tracking their progress, our analysts start uh, doing, and then we get involved, you know, when, when we're comfortable with the valuation. And so what are, if you could sort of give me a top three, what do you look at to say, okay, this, this passes the, the, the checklist of something that we'd like to look at? Yep. Yep. So number, number one is the founding team. So management is key. So we look at, um, you know, who's the founder? Uh, we prefer founder-led companies, not, and that's not to say a company that hires a management team won't do well, but we just prefer the founder's passion and their focus uh, in that company. So um, you know, Bill Gross is a great example at Heliogen. He founded Idea Lab, 150 companies, and he's a founder of Heliogen. Um, we look at the timing. Timing is probably the most important thing in companies because a lot of companies have a great idea, but it's the wrong timing, right? If you founded Netflix 20 years ago, you don't have the bandwidth, right? And a lot of companies had these ideas, but you've got to have the right timing in the market. To, everything's got to be in place. So I think today everyone's talking ESG, green energy, climate change, and Heliogen is at the right t- timeline uh, to do that. And then, and then the third is really, you know, financing and, and execution is go hand in hand. So you've got to be well-funded to execute. You know, you can have the greatest idea, but you've got to execute daily to, to move forward right? and, and have that team around you that's really laser-focused on execution, right? So, you know, and, it takes time to get comfortable, right? With, sorry, with founding uh, companies like that. And, you know, we, we watch them, we monitor them, right? And we, we track their progress. And uh, if, if, if we see that progress and that execution, we, we get involved. Yeah. So your, your time horizon seems a little longer. I mean, if you are interested in the company, it's probably going to be months or maybe longer than that before you put a dollar in. Yeah, yeah, often it is because uh, unless it's an idea, if it's an idea that's really attractive, or unless we know the founders, often you get the founders starting their second or third startup. 
So we would know them. We have a track record. Correct. The other thing, we also take a longer time horizon on our investment because we're private. You know, we don't have a bunch of LPs that we have to sell out in three years and liquidate and uh, refinance. So we're a private fund. So we invest and we take very long-term positions like Amazon or like Shopify and the others. You bet. So this is uh, that was one one of my other questions. Is you're not you're not operating any kind of a fund. This is all essentially a family office. Correct. Correct. Yeah, we're we're private family office. It's our own capital. That's right. Right. And so the, a couple areas you mentioned, uh, Heliogen. I mean, so obviously there's e-commerce. There's um, there's energy. Is there any area in particular that is the most exciting to you right now? Um, you know, I got to tell you, we we love the longevity space, and <laughs> it's a very different space than the tech. So, you know, there's so much innovation happening in longevity. It's, it's, it's amazing. So we're involved in a couple of startups right now. Um, and Viome is a very exciting company. So it deals with a microbiome and really all diseases start in the gut. So it's really food as medicine. And so it talks about the epigenome, which is your gene expression. So the foods you eat, John, every day dramatically affect uh, your disease and, and uh, how you identify these biomarkers early. And a lot of people don't realize that our healthcare system is really, you know, it's really treating the disease. So we want to look at curing the disease far earlier, right? Um, How do you detect stage one or before stage one cancer, not treat it with chemo after you've got it, right? So it really talks about a lot of those areas. And, And there's a number of startups and you'll be amazed that actually not only can stop aging, but reverse aging. So we're looking at these things now, and it's it's fascinating. We love that area, and we're seeing real results in trials with some of these companies. And I think you'll see a lot more in the longevity space. And um, you know, it's a, it's an exciting area for sure. This is really cool, uh, Viome. So I'm on the site right now. Is it a um, is it a is it a vitamin? Is it a pill? What what exactly is the product? Yeah, so it's a it's a food supplement. Uh, so basically. The company sends out a kit to you. You take a stool sample and a blood sample, customize, and you send it back to the company in Seattle. And they basically, based on that, they've got 40 biomarkers identified for you, for John Abitz, not anyone. And everyone's microbiome is different. So why would you take a supplement that may not be for you, right? Everybody's gut is different. And you, you hear about probiotics and prebiotics, right? Those are very general, um, but they take your specific and they've got a robotics lab and they have 80 different customized robotic food supplements that they customize for you. And they send it back to you and they show you all the results uh, and you can track all the results and you can track your biological age with your chronological age. So everyone has a chronological, but often your biological age could be higher or lower. And it's, it's fascinating. And you actually see and track your progress. Based oh, here. On this is going to be huge. This is it going is. to be huge. It this is, is hitting it's every. Exciting. It's really exciting. And I'm, so I'm, I'm, you know, you know, you could be, for example, maybe you need um, carrots, or maybe you need turmeric or ginger in your diet, and you're not taking it. You'll be amazed at the differences that would make um, based on your personal. And, and then they track it with quarterly updates. You bet. So is the business model here, I, I, I can see here. So for example, you can buy, uh, it looks like some kind of a starter kit and it, it does yes. a whole bunch of stuff for you. Is the idea that people would subscribe and continue to get value? That's exactly right. So, so they have, you know, we, we have over 300,000 
customers now. You can imagine. So it's not only the customers, the consumer model, and they use Shopify, by the way, but the the data they get. Imagine the data they get from all of these people around the world. And that continues to lead to therapeutics and new discoveries in terms of the biomarkers, because you see patterns, right? You see certain patterns, certain trends with certain people and certain diet deficiencies are, are too much often of certain products. So it leads to all kinds of data analytics, that research. So yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. So is, is the business, there's a few different, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of ways you can go here, but is the business that they're going to develop products and sell the products or that they're going to give you recommendations of what products to buy? Yeah, yeah, they they don't. Uh, well, they sell. So there's a consumer division. They give you the supplements every month. So they give you a package of supplements based on your personal tests for you. In addition to that, they've got a therapeutics and discovery division, which is basically researched. And they're, we're partnering with major drug companies around the world. We're in discussions, partnering with Viome based on their discoveries, so you can detect a lot of these diseases far earlier, right? Based on dietary changes. Right, makes sense. Very cool. Yeah, and and, and this is this is so interesting. I, I would say this is probably out of <laughs> all the all the sort of companies you've mentioned, this is the one. It this hits a lot of marks, and I can totally right. see the huge market. How, how how old of a company is this? How long they've been around for? So they've been around about five years. Naveen Jain is the founder. Um, he founded a number of companies in the past, and uh, we just did a last round uh, in last fall about fifty five million. Acro led that round. Um, uh, and uh, we're looking probably at doing a SPAC this year and going public. So um, yeah, no, very exciting company. Uh, and, and as they produce the results for more and more data, you can imagine there's more and more interest, right? So, as a, so it's like the flywheel. You get more subscribers, more data, leads to more discoveries in different areas. And um, yeah, it's exciting. <laughs> so what do you attribute your success to? I mean, it seems, it looks to me like you've done very well in a lot of different areas, but if you can kind of narrow down whether it's what you're passionate about or what you think you're really good at, what is it that, that you think has, has led to your success? Yeah, no, thank you. I, you know, I love to learn. Honestly, I just love learning about new, new technologies and innovating. You know, how do I improve the real estate industry? I mean, it's it really... It hasn't changed in 40 years. I mean, there's a lot of innovation I think we can bring into real estate with the technology. And on the VC side, you know, just there's so much. I think we're living in the most exciting time in our lives with the, the pace of technology change. And there's so much uh, new areas that, that are, are going to grow. So you got to learn this stuff, right? <laughs> I spent a lot of time reading and learning about the new areas. And, you know, that's what creates the opportunities. Right is to learn, and most people, you know, they, they as you know, they don't want to change. They're comfortable, right? So I think you just got to keep pushing that personal growth. And I, I love to surround myself with that this higher circle of influence. I call it, right. You want to just keep growing, like personally and professionally. So keep keep learning from people better than you, smarter than you, and uh, I, I love that. I love the energy of that, right? Be, being curious and then having an understanding and the discipline of where to actually put your energy. Because I'm sure, as you said, right. you're probably flooded with opportunity, but it's about saying, yeah. okay, we're going to do this and this and this. And just, again, looking at your at your portfolio and real estate, as well as what you've invested in, you've you've hit the mark a number of times. No, no, no. Thank you. And, and you're right. You, you got to say no. You got to be willing to say no, because you can't do everything. You got to stay focused. And so I, I find... You know, you, you tend to be more and more selective and saying no more, as, as negative as that sounds, but it's to help you focus on the things that you're excited about, right? That you're passionate about, because you've got to have the time to do that with your team, right? 
So I, yeah. absolutely. And and I think the you know the opportunities are 10x coming to us these days, and you've really got to focus to capitalize on those things. Uh, so we're, we're living in the most exciting times. I think you'll see more innovation in the next 10 years than the last 50. Right. Are, are you looking at all at crypto? Is that touching any of your businesses today? We, we looked at crypto. Actually, we just had a call with a company yesterday presenting to us and, and you know, layer two, three and the liquid networks. We're looking at that. We actually had a, um, a meeting last week with a Hong Kong firm that wants to buy units with crypto buyer units in Canada because the younger generation they want to pay and uh with uh you know crypto so I think I think you'll see a change I think you'll see again a lot of innovation coming it's early days and uh so we're we're open to it definitely in in the real estate space I mean that's one area in particular where I actually think there are a lot of logical applications for for crypto and and and, and blockchain more broadly right. um are you at all involved in prop tech or, or seeing any innovation there uh, we, we've been approached by a prop tech company just recently. And, uh, I, I think there'll be a lot of innovation. I, I think you'll, you'll see, we were interested in that. And, you know, again, it's, it's capturing certain markets in the prop tech space that are more attractive than others. And there's a lot of guys, you know, focusing on startup ideas, as you know, and you've got to, yeah, it's those three things, right. You've got to have the right founding team, you know, the right timing and, and execution. So we're yeah. interested. Sure. I, I find, I mean, just personally, and I know crypto <laughs> and blockchain is so pr- prolific yeah. right now and people have made a lot of money. I still think 99% of everything that's out there is just going to zero. And, and we, we really haven't approached where, where the real money and longevity is to be made in, in crypto. Yeah, you got to be really careful. I mean, there's so much hype and, and there always is, right? Going with anything new. And, and I think most of these will fizzle out. And I think it'll be the infrastructure, the boring infrastructure that'll grow over the coming years. And, you know, it's the picks and shovels of, of, of that space because you'll still need that. But it, it's early days. And I think it'll be a couple of years by the time you see certain, you know, markets. I mean, Shopify just announced this deal with Coinbase, for example. And I think you'll see, you know, synergies in certain areas. But you're right. I, I agree. It's, it's, uh, it's far too early to jump in a lot of these companies, I think. So if you were starting off today, what what would you say would be the best area to focus on? Obviously, it has to do with what you're passionate about, but where do you just see opportunity right now for, for a young entrepreneur? Yeah, no, it's a great uh, question. I, I see opportunity, honestly, in, in Western Canada. I might be biased, but <laughs> but I think I, I think um I think it's really affordable. You know, I, I think uh and then the other area is just in, in in tech, of course, right? I mean, there's so much growth coming in tech in different areas. So I think if you're a young entrepreneur, you know, surround yourself by an incredible group of of, of uh, eighteen players. You know, you got to keep learning, and and you know, I'm a pretty high energy guy, and I think it's really important to have that energy right around you because you know, I look at I look back at twenty years ago or thirty years ago, uh, you know, you're, you you keep growing in life, right? And you're surrounding yourself by by new friends, new circle, right? You you take your existing ones with you, but you got to keep growing in life, and I think most people just get stagnant. It's so true. Everybody who I was listening to a talk with uh, Sam Zell, this is like four years ago, and somebody asked him, What do you attribute your success to? And he said, I've just always, whenever I've gotten to a place where I've met sort of a big life goal, I've just challenged myself. Just you, you got to hit the, you got to hit the reset button a lot because if you achieve your goals, you know, every five or seven or 10 years, you're sort of where you thought you were going to be. You got to hit that reset button. You can't just stay there. 
hundred percent, hundred percent. And that's your goals in, in, in personal and business and family health, everything, right? Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's exciting to do that, right? It's always a challenge to stretch yourself, but you always grow, right? And, and, and you yeah. never make a mistake. You're always learning, right? hundred percent. Uh, well, Ocro is where people can go and check out all the companies you're investing in. Uh, we'll, we'll do a check-in in a little bit. We'll see how everything pans <laughs> out and, uh, and, 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 and where you are and where, they, where the uh, real estate market is uh, in, in a while from now. I'd love to. I'd love to. Thanks again, uh, John. It was a pleasure. <laughs>